So today we are concluding our series on happiness. Doesn't mean that you're going to have, you know, that you have to be sad from here on out. Uh, God calls us to be happy. He really does. He gives us the opportunity to be happy in our lives. And if you've begun implementing some of these things, you've begun to experience a deeper happiness, a deeper joy than you probably have ever had in your life. But if you haven't begun to implement these things, then yeah, you're going to continue to struggle with happiness, maybe depression or something like that. So I would encourage you to go back, maybe listen to the sermons. Uh, we've got them in podcast and online, uh, the videos on YouTube. Uh, just go to our website, the media page, and you can be able to to refresh your mind on these things. Um, uh, the easiest thing to do is to go and read the Sermon on the Mount, starting with Matthew chapter 5. These are the words that Jesus gave us, and he started that sermon about how to be happy. And it contradicts the stuff the world teaches you on how to be happy. So today we're going we're gonna to conclude this series with, and this is so great, Jesus said, happy are you when you are persecuted. So yeah, it's going to be so encouraging today. No, it's going to be it's going to be very meaningful. All right. One of the major causes of unhappiness in humans' lives is the need that we think we have to be liked by other human beings. And you know, Facebook and Instagram and all of the social media stuff—that's what this stuff is about. People going, please, somebody like me. And if we don't get the likes that we want or the loves that we want on our posts and things, man, it just messes us up in, internally and it can really ruin a day. And happiness is not found there. Why? Because you're never going to be able to please all the people. Even if you had a thousand likes, all it takes is one person to go, yeah, that was bogus. And you're done. You're frustrated. You're like, why would somebody say that to me? And you got a thousand likes. It doesn't matter. They can steal your happiness that quickly. And Jesus was a realist. And when he spoke, he told us the truth. And so what we have here is Jesus being very honest about the consequences of following him. Being somebody that would love him. He's very honest about it. He said, if you follow me, people are not going to like you. If you follow me, truly follow me, people are going to have a problem with you. They're not going to approve of every decision you make. They're not going to approve of everything you believe. They're not going to approve of everything that you stand for. So after all. All the things that Jesus lift, listed that we've talked about, and we'll go over them in just a moment. All the things that Jesus listed to be happy, the seven things that we've already talked about in the previous weeks. He says this, happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Wow. What a benefit. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. So he lists these seven things and he says, after that, these things are going to get you persecuted. The statement was so shocking that he repeated it twice. 
He said, happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Rejoice and notice it said falsely. They make up stuff about you, right? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. He says, you're listed among the prophets when this happens to you. That's awesome. So Jesus gives more space. He gives more landscape to this one beatitude, this one way of being happy than he did all of the others. And he's summing it up. He says, basically, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, even family members aren't going to like you because you do life my way. So let's talk about this. When you're happy in humility, so let's kind of go through the, the first seven that we talked about briefly here. Uh, the first one we talked about was being poor in spirit, humility. He says, when you're happy in, in humility, when you're poor in spirit, he says, you are going to threaten the people around you. You'll threaten the proud. Humility inspires pride to rise up in people. Have you ever seen this? They will use your humility to try to lord over you. Uh, humility to a prideful person is like, is like gold to a dragon. It draws them out. It's like sugar to ants. You know, it just draws them out. If a, and, and, and I've seen this through the years. If a boss ever wants to really figure out who on the team is operating in pride, who on the team is behind the scenes secretly operating against them, covertly thinking they're better than the boss, thinking that the, they could run the place better than the boss, whoever that is, if the boss wants to pull them out, all he's got to do is open himself up to a moment of humility and vulnerability. I had a good friend of mine, a company president, he had a, a moment of transparency with those in his team that were closest to him. He was frustrated because they had lost a client that was really seemed to be very committed to what they were selling and what they were doing. And, and he was visibly shaken by this. He was like, man, are we heading the wrong direction? What's going on? Why did we lose this person? I thought this person was actually a friend. And this moment of vulnerability inspired one of the team members who had, had been secretly criticizing this, this guy to rise up and tell his boss finally what he really thought. And his criticisms, they were off base, they were divisive, they weren't even rational. And more than that, they were driven by, they, you see, they were driven by pride and it actually went so far as to criticize his beliefs. Humility will drive, draw pride out of, out of the corners, right? Your humility will draw the pride out of others. And they will hate you for your humility. Count on it. Bullies love to lord over you. And family members will try to give you their daily agenda. Keep you on their daily agenda. But remember, humility is not weakness. And if you operate in humility, you'll be happy, even if you're persecuted. The second thing Jesus talked about, he says, you'll be happy when you are broken, when you are mourning. Happy are those who mourn for what? They will be comforted. God himself will comfort you. But you've got to know when that happens, when you're happy, when, when you're supposed to be mourning, people, that threatens people. When life happens and you're, and you're just moving through it and you're trying to get through that struggle, it doesn't mean you ignore what's happening. It just means that down deep inside you still have that joy and you still worship and you still love God anyway. And you're, you're taking care of the people around you. That's going to threaten 
threaten people. People want you to fall apart when, you know, people that don't like you, people of the world, right? They want you to fall apart when life happens to you. But when you just keep moving, happier they who, those who mourn for they will be comforted. And listen, you're going to fail in life. And when you fail, you can still be happy. What does the world want to do? The world wants to make monuments of your failures. Look at what this person did. And, and, and this is their huge, most big failure. And they'll want to post it on Facebook and repost it on Facebook and let the world know about your failure. They want to make monuments of your failures. What does God want to do? God wants to make something good come from your failure. But you got to let him. And you can be happy even though you've failed. And people, though, they'll hammer you. They'll want to put you. They'll pound you into the ground because you failed. And what does the church family need to do? Lift you up and love you through it. The third thing Jesus talked about, you'll be happy when you're meek. What is meekness? It's strength under control. You'll be happy when you're meek. While everybody else is fighting for their rights and everybody's pushing and shoving through life like it's Black Friday every day, you can be calm, cool, and collected. And the enemy will hate you for that. And they will persecute you for that. Jesus said, happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Listen, weak people will po poke at you. Weak people will see your strength and try to get to it and try to deal with you in a way that brings you under their control. Weak people will try to bully you. Weak leaders won't promote you because they're afraid of your strength that you could overcome them. Weak people won't love you because they're, they know they're not strong enough to love you at the level that you could love them. And so they'll, they'll, just, they'll shun you, they'll, they'll love you just enough, and then they'll walk away from you. That's what weak people do. You will be persecuted for your strength. You will be persecuted for being strong and, and, and staying with somebody even when it's not convenient for you. You'll be persecuted for that. The fourth thing Jesus talked about, when you're happily satisfied because your hunger and thirst is for true goodness, you're a threat to those who aren't. Jesus said, happier those who are hungry and thirsty for true goodness, for they will be satisfied. You see, this kind of thinking is going to get you persecuted. When you stand for what is true, when you stand for what is good, when you stand for righteousness, you will be persecuted. You don't even have to go out and scream to the world, this is what I believe. All you got to do is stand. They're coming after you. They want to know what you believe because they want to target you and they want to persecute you. I was uh, hanging out with an old politician in Alabama when I was a youth pastor down there. And we were sitting, at, I was sitting at his bedside where he was dying. All right. And he started going into these basically confessions. And he said, John, the drug problem in America will never be erased. He said, it could be, but it won't be. I said, well, why not? I don't understand. He said, because the politicians are too into it. Wow, that's interesting. And in the same way, when you hunger for good things, when you look and see injustice and when you see things are going wrong and you try to take a stand or you just at least say, hey, this is what God says about it, you will find that the people that are involved in that stuff, there's too many benefits in the world for the bad stuff that's going on. And you're going you're gonna to get hammered. You're going to get persecuted. God's people hunger for true goodness and we stand for it. 
Knowing what God likes and doesn't like, that's relationship. And that's what we do. Relationship. Uh, number five, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, Happy are the merciful, for they will, see, they will have mercy shown to them. Number six, happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Number seven, happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. You're going to be persecuted if you live this life. And he sums it up with the character of the world and he treats and, and how the, the, the world is going to treat the Christian that lives this life. And he says, happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. You own the kingdom of heaven and you live this life. He's saying, happy and healthy are those who can take rejection. You feel rejected? Happy and healthy are those whose beliefs are so strong that they can withstand any attack. Happy and healthy. So let's look at a few minutes. In just a few minutes, we're going to look at your response to persecution. But before that, I want us to look at this. The reality of it is this. If you're living the life of a Christian, the life Jesus just described, you're going to face rejection. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face that. He said, when you are persecuted... Not if, but when. And, he's, and what's the reason for it? Verse 11, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. You're going to face persecution because you're my followers. Because you're my followers. He's not talking about, listen, he's not talking about racial harassment. He's not talking about sexual harassment. He's not talking about anything of being, you know, you being obnoxious and getting harassed for that. He's talking about because you live a life that Jesus lived, you will be you will be persecuted. He's not talking about the self-righteous Christian that is just obnoxious and, and mulling people, bowling people over everywhere they go. You know, turn or burn. <laughs> Die, you're going to fry. He's not talking about the people that go out and preach this kind of stuff. I'm so great. You're so bad. God's called me to tell you that. He's not talking about those obnoxious people. You do that kind of stuff, you're going to be not persecuted. You're going to be put in your place because you're a jerk. So knowing that it's one thing for you to be persecuted because you are, are actually living this life for Christ, or are you, being are you being treated wrong, being put in your place because you're being a jerk? That's important. So the fact is this. The right reason for harassment is this. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they will persecute you also. That's what he said. So evil people don't like Jesus. It's that simple. Evil people don't like Jesus. And evil people are not going to like you if you're living for Jesus. 
If you're doing life Jesus' way, they're not going to like you. Jesus isn't physically here, so who are they going to attack? And if they killed him, 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be Wait a second, John. I didn't sign up for this. And it doesn't say he might be. It says. Now, if you want persecution and all you really got to do is go out to a, a crowd of young people today, especially. And you just say, hey, I'm a Christian. Anybody want to talk about that? Well, do you believe everything in the Bible? Sure. I believe what God likes and I believe what God doesn't like. And I, I live my life to accommodate for that. And you'll be persecuted. I have a niece that some of you have met. And just this week, she took a stand for Christ. She was with some people at school and they pressured her. They put her on the spot on her beliefs. And since they asked and demanded to know from her what she thought about their sexuality. And she said, well, I believe in God. I, I believe in what the scripture says. I, you know, what God likes, I agree with him. And what God doesn't like, I agree with him. She said it differently than that. But that's what she said to them. She wasn't hammering them. She wasn't hurting them. She wasn't. And, and you should have heard the anger and hostility and the cursing that these kids just unleashed on my niece. And she just took it. They, dem they demanded to know. She wasn't out there pushing them. They demanded to know it. And guess what? She was happy. Not because she lorded over them morally. She was happy because she was persecuted for Christ Jesus. It was her standing firm in her faith. It's awesome. You see, the world cannot stand anybody that stands for truth. And if you see someone, listen, if you see someone that you don't know, and you don't know if you can trust them or not, but you see the world fighting them, you see the world persecuting them, you better believe that you can stand with that person. Because they're standing for something that is anti-world, and that's Christ. It's a definite sign that you can stand with them. Jesus didn't, listen, Jesus didn't fit the mold. And, and in Jesus' case, it wasn't necessarily the world. It was the church. He offended the church so greatly that the church crucified him. That's who our Jesus is. That's who your master is. He wouldn't do what the Pharisees wanted him to do. He wouldn't live the way they wanted him to live. And, and he was speaking about new things. And they were afraid of him taking their jobs. And boy, did he. Well, at some level. So he wouldn't compromise. He wouldn't mold to their, their conformity. They had to either follow him or kill him, and they killed him. So let's talk about your response real quick. How do you handle harassment when you're going to be persecuted for your faith? All right, number one, recognize the source. 
It's easy to think that the source is that person or those people. Ephesians 6.12, we're not fighting against human beings, but against wicked spiritual forces. Remember that. It's not this human. And Jesus had to tell himself that, I'm sure, over and over while he hung on the cross. Secondly, refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. Romans chapter 12. If someone does evil to you, don't pay him back with evil. Never take revenge. Let God's wrath do it. Oh, man. In other words, if you don't let God's wrath do it and you take it, God's wrath is going to not be used. Let God's wrath deal with it. Number three, respond positively. Romans 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, once you start reacting, who's in control? They are. God says, I want you to take the initiative. And what's the initiative to take? Matthew chapter 5. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Take the initiative. You start praying for them. Just stop. Start praying for them. Ask God to help them. Ask God to intervene. Number four, rejoice over it. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and, re and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for what? His sake. He says, for my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Not just a little glad. He says, rejoice in this. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. He's not saying to rejoice in the pain. He says when people put you down for your faith, not because you're obnoxious, not because you're pushy, not because you're annoying, but because you stand for me and live for me. He says you'll be different because you're living for me and you can rejoice when that happens to you. Don't complain. Celebrate. James David, would you come? So as we conclude, I want to talk about why you should rejoice. Why should you rejoice? That sounds so crazy. Why should you rejoice when people are persecuting you? When, when people are slandering you? When people are talking bad about you for being a Jesus pusher and a Bible thumper? Why? Why? Because, number one, it means God's spirit can be seen in your life. Oh man, that deserves a bigger amen. I know it's the early service, but come on. See, the second service, they're all excited. <laughs> Trying to bring a little competition in here for you. It means God can be seen in your life. It's tangible evidence that God is in your life. 1 Peter 4, if you're insulted because of Christ, you are blessed. For God's spirit rests in you. Wow. Secondly, I rejoice because it means God can trust me. You rejoice because it means God can trust you. The Bible teaches that when you're persecuted, when you're harassed, it means that God is trusting you with that. 
He knows that you can overcome it. He knows you can deal with it. Acts 5.41, the apostles were full of joy that God considered them worthy to be suff- to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. You got to understand, these guys had just gone through persecution. They just faced trial and all kinds of stuff. And the scripture records that as they walked out of town, they were rejoicing because they had the opportunity to share in Christ's sufferings. They were like, that was awesome. We did it and we made it. You can just see them leaving town. Just an awesome moment. Jesus is with us. God's spirit lives inside of us. That was awesome. Let's go do it again. But let's have lunch first. That's what I would have said to him. Did you know that the Christians today around this world are facing more persecution than than all the numbers of persecution that the Christians have faced for the last 2,000 years? There's more today in one year's time facing persecution than all the other years combined. And that's happening more and more every year. Korea, you know, we hear about that in the news a lot, right? Did you know there's an incredible group of brothers and sisters in Christ in Korea? The largest attended church in the world. 800,000 people attend this church in Korea. And Korea was built on the backs of the blood of martyrs. Did you know that? People who gave their lives for this word, this gospel, this meaningful message from God. There's a story when the communists invaded Korea. One of the stories is of this prominent pastor and his family were taken out and the communists dug a hole in the ground and they put them down in it. And they said, Pastor, renounce your faith in Jesus or your family gets buried alive. And the pastor was standing there and his kids wrapped their arms around his legs and they said, Daddy, please don't let him do this. Just as he was about to renounce, his wife came over and put her hand on his mouth and said, no. And she told her children to be quiet. And she said, we get the honor of dying for Jesus. For the glory of God. God's spirit is seen in you. You know God can trust you when you face it. And third, rejoice because it's only temporary. It's only temporary. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, these troubles won't last very long, yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and ever. You've got to remember, this short moment of life is this compared to that. Billions of years of eternity. Don't miss the opportunity to live and love Jesus while you live on this earth. Paul had that perspective. I'm only going to live 70, 80, 90, 115 years, whatever it is. I want to live that life, this life for that life. Matthew chapter 5, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. Not not you're just going to get a reward. He says, great is your reward in heaven. Do you believe that? 
Romans chapter 8, verse 17, Since we are God's children, if we share God's suffering, we will also share in His glory. Matthew 19, 29, Whatever you give up for the Lord's sake here on earth, He will restore a hundredfold in eternity. You understand that's 10,000% interest. And we're upset about 8%. 10,000% interest that God is going to pay His people for what they did here. That's huge. That's like if you invest $100, you get like 10000 back. You understand? That's a lot. So let's do some soul searching today. Answer these questions. What is my faith costing? What is your faith costing you? What is your faith costing you? At what cost would you stay faithful to Christ? At what cost would you stay? Now, you're, listen, I've been to church, a church in Romania where it was cold. It was January. It was free. It was dark. People had walked four hours to get to church that night. And they would have to walk home. You talk about a moment of humility to get to speak to those people. At what cost would you say it's too much? Number three, how many people know you're a Christian? How many people know you're a Christian? Do your coworkers, do your friends, do your family, do people look at you and validate that Jesus lives inside of you? And let me tell you, you need to know that. Well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Okay, well, this is one way you can figure it out. Let people know it. And let them persecute you. Face the struggle of knowing Jesus and love it. You'll be happy. There will be an inner peace like you've never had before. And you'll know that God's Spirit lives inside of you. Isn't that beautiful? Would you bow your heads? you're saved? Do you know that you're a child of God? Are you afraid of persecution? Are you afraid of family? Friends? Co-workers? It's time for you to be afraid of God more than you are of them. To fear Him to love Him, to respect Him, to honor Him. There's only one reason that you believe in Christ, and that's because Jesus raised from the dead. 
And one of the greatest evidences of that is the fact that the disciples that were willing to run from Jesus the night that he was betrayed were willing to die for Jesus after he was raised from the dead. These men had seen him. They believed. They knew it. And you better believe that God pays attention to you every time somebody says something slanderous, something off because of what you believe. Come on, give up any other reasons to be upset in this world. Give, any, give up any other rights. Give up any other movements that this world has created. You've got the greatest reason to live. And it's Jesus. The only right God gave you was the right to be the child of God. Give up all your other rights in this world. You have the right to be the child of God. And love Him for it. So Father, we commit ourselves to you today. Jesus, we thank you so much for the privilege of knowing and bearing your name. And help us as we walk through this life to be able to show others God, to be able to love others, to be able to stand for truth and what is good and what is right for the sake of love, not to lord over others, not to make us feel better than others, but God, because of love, to teach the way of love, the way of life. In Jesus' name. Before you look up at me, I want you to take just a moment. Maybe there's somebody here that has to accept Christ into your life today. You need to do that. It's time. It's time to stand with him. He says, I love you. I care about you. And he was honest with you about what it would take to be one of his followers. Do you accept him? Will you love him? Talk to him now. You say, God, I thank you for loving me. I want to get to know who you are, what you like and what you don't like, and I will accommodate for you for the rest of my life to live inside of me. Wash me and cleanse me from all of my sin and all of my unrighteousness and help me to live a life that exemplifies the love of Christ with every person I know and to live out the, the things that Jesus talked about. In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, you made that decision today, I just want you to say, yeah, John, that was me. Just look up at me until my eyes catch yours right now. Okay. All right. It's a new beginning. Amen.